The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Welcome into another episode on Payoff Pitch, our newest Action Network Major League Baseball betting podcast. Brendan Glasheen with Action Network Senior Editor Colin Whitchurch. On this episode, we preview the National League Central, and we have Tanner McGrath, Action Network contributor, joining us for this episode. I want to remind all of you that we have six division previews all out over on the podcast. We have plenty of coverage in-depth discussion on each division leading us to April 7th, opening day. And want to remind all of you, we're not going anywhere. Once the season starts, we're, we're just getting started here. We're going to be here on the pod every Tuesday and Friday during the baseball season. We will start after opening day weekend, so April 12th and so on and so forth. So during the season, Tuesday and Friday, we'll break down that day and night's slate in Major League Baseball. So we look forward to having you with us all season long on the Action Network's newest MLB betting podcast payoff pitch so let's get started with the nl central colin whitchurch brewers the favorite at minus 170 very good rotation had a great year last year win total set at 89 and a half over on FanDuel. what is your outlook of the brewers and the best way to attack the favorite in this division from a betting standpoint the brewers are probably my favorite team uh favorite bet to recommend in the in the nl central their division odds right now are, are minus 170, and that's insanely low. I don't usually pick favorites, but baseball prospectus Pocota is projecting them to win the division 85.4% of the time. Fangraphs is at 72.3%. If you, you know, the implied odds on a minus 170 says that they win the division 63% of the time. So there's insane value here. They're clearly the class of this division. I'm down on the Cardinals, as, as you'll hear about here shortly. Um, the Cubs are kind of quasi-rebuilding. The Reds are tanking. Pirates are the Pirates. At minus 170, I think that's insane for a team that 
should be up there in the upper echelon of the entire national league. Maybe the second best team to the Dodgers, in my opinion, um, potentially. So at minus 170, I'm I'm buying them to win the division. I think they could have it clinched or, or at least near clinched by the start of September. And I like their World Series odds as well, if you can get it around 11 to 1. This is one of my favorite teams in baseball. They have the best top three rotation in baseball, and they're deep. They won a lot of games last year despite a mediocre offense. We should see bounce backs this year from the likes of, of Christian Yelich, see what they have left in Lorenzo Kane. So, yeah, I'm all in on the Brewers, win the NL Central, uh, also sprinkle some World Series in there as well. As mentioned, Tanner McGrath joining us on this episode. Tanner, are you in agreement with Colin that this is uh, a team you can still get value in at minus 170, the Brewers, to win the division? Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what Colin said here. Um, A few notes, though. Um, I think the back end of the rotation might be due for some slight negative regression. Uh, Lauer and Hauser both had 3.2 ERAs, but XFIPs over a point above. Peralta might see a little bit, too. Um, But Burns and Woodruff are going to be awesome. Again, no question about it. And the back end of the bullpen is obviously dominant. Um, Someone who I want to keep an eye on is youngster Aaron Ashby. I think he's going to have a big breakout season this year in either middle relief or maybe a spot start role. And also, I think the lineup might not be as bad as it was last year. Um, I think Hunter Renfro is a good ad. I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm a bit biased. Um, McCutcheon is something. So if you put together slight regression for both the pitching and hitting staff, it's going to be a wash. And um, I played them at minus 165 to win the division on DraftKings. I wouldn't mind it up to like minus 180. Christian Yelich, is perplexing to say the least. Um, I'm still trying to understand how his um, expected weighted on-base average against fastballs has dropped over 100 points in the last two years. But if he can bounce back even a little, the ceiling for this team is raised so much. So I also took a shot on the Brewers World Series at plus 1,600. This team had value last season and has value this season. Pitching and timely hitting is what you need to win in the playoffs. The Brewers have half that, and I think they have the potential to put together the other half. Yeah, they're plus 1,600 right now, as Tanner mentioned, over on DraftKings. And we've talked about them quite a bit. Uh, Sean Zarillo was on them very early on. And uh, on the TAM podcast, when we broke down the NL talking Brewers, that number was, I think, minus 130 at one point. So that value now gone. So get it while you can, I guess, is the uh, common sentiment here on the Brewers. As we move forward now and discuss other teams in this division, Colin Whitchurch, there are those Cardinals, the next favorite at plus 240 on FanDuel, win total 84 and a half wins. I got it. We got to get some sort of like sound or some sort of bell to ring when it's it's ready to cue a Colin Whitchurch win total under. My calculations are correct. You're going to see some serious. <laughs> I, I, I do certainly love the under on the Cardinals. It's funny because I was on their over last year. I was about the only one I knew who right. was on their over. And they ripped off that insane September to cash an unexpected over. I think all, everyone I know who had an under ticket on them was counting their winnings in like on like August 31st. By September 30th, I was counting my winnings. So I, I have a lot of love for the Cardinals and what they did for me last year. But I'm out on them this year. The Cardinals are essentially running it back, and and obviously a lot of luck went into their September surge last year. And this is an old team that I just don't think has the horses to compete with the Brewers. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to even see them finish third in this division. 
they have four regulars in their lineup who are over the age of 30 and four of their five projected opening day rotation members are over the age of 30. Adam Wainwright was obviously fantastic last year. We can't expect what he did last year now at the age of 40. Yadier Molina is a 39-year-old catcher who, you know, Cardinal fans have been putting in the Hall of Fame for the last decade. A lot of love for Yadi. My dad's a Cardinals fan. I think that um, I, I have a lot of respect for what this organization and what some of these players have done over the years, but their time has come and gone. Dylan Carlson's a really fun young player. Tyler O'Neill broke out last year. You're looking at probably the tail end of the prime of someone like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt's now going to be 35 at the start of this season. So I, I just don't think they have the horses to, to go this year. And I think that the, the Cardinal devil magic is set to finally run out. Tanner thoughts on the cards in 2022. I agree on the win total under mostly because I think there are too many questions with this team. Um, $44 million for Steven Matz seems suspect at best. Um, I hope Flaherty gets healthy and stays healthy, but even if he does, what's his upside as high as in 2019 when he posted a sub one whip? I don't know. Dakota Hudson is coming off Tommy John. The rotation, just too many question marks. They better hope the Eros Arena deal pans out with, um, sorry if I say this name wrong, Matthew Libertore, big boy lefty who can eat up innings and force ground balls. Um, this roster is top heavy. Aeronado and Goldschmidt account for more than a third of the total payroll. Um, Goldschmidt probably won't slug 500 again. Tyler O'Neill had an amazing season last year, like Colin said, but his bet was 366. I think he'll regress. The bullpen is interesting. I'm high on Giovanni Gallegos, um, but then they have four guys who have great stuff, but super questionable control at best. Uh, Cabrera, Reyes, Helsley, so on and so forth. And don't expect TJ McFarland to produce 12 double play balls in 38 innings again. It's interesting because let's say one of the top Brewer starters get hurt and Yellick just continues to flounder. The Cardinals are like almost default to win this division, but at 2.5 to one odds, there's, I don't see value in buying them in the end. They went 73 and 72 outside the 17 game win streak. There's some upside, but there are way too many question marks. I'm I'd play the under at anything over 85. So the theme of the next team we'll discuss, the Chicago Cubs, they sold a ton of pieces last year at the deadline. They were just making moves left and right. Cubs last year finished 71 and 91. Their win total, uh, they are at plus 1,100 to come out of the central. Win total right around 74 and a half. Pakoda's got something very similar, maybe a win, I think just a win fewer. Yeah, with 73.2. Colin Whitchurch, how do we evaluate the Cubs when they make all those moves last year? What what? They're, they're, they're a public team, I guess, right? Because you're, you're, you're a Chicago White Sox fan, so you can, uh, you can give us some insight here on the Cubs. Like, what's, what's, the, what's the outlook of the Cubs? It feels very murky. Yeah, it's interesting. It looked like we were, we were headed toward another multi-year rebuild with them after they sold off all of their pending free agents um, last July. But they made some sneaky good moves this offseason. Um, brought in a lot of veteran competence, I will say. You know, not a lot of stars. Yeah, guys on that roster like Jan Gomes, Jonathan Villar, obviously Marcus Stroman in the rotation, who those are proven big leaguers. They still have, you know, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward even is still is still around. So there's some competence here. Um, there's two things I want to say about them from a betting perspective. One, and I know Tanner's going to agree with this. I love Saya Suzuki to win NL Rookie of the Year. His projections at both Fangraphs and 
baseball prospectus are through the roof. He's a 27-year-old coming over from Japan. I'm over here in my Osaka Tigers cap and my Hiroshima carp shirt. I love Japanese baseball, and he's going to bring all of the skills that he displayed in the NPB over stateside. It's not just that he has something like prolific power or or one skill. Um, he's got great control of the strike zone. He projects, projects for fewer than 100 strikeouts in a full season and more than 70 walks. Um, obviously, um, it's always interesting when a established professional hitter comes over and is eligible for Rookie of the Year award. Like Suzuki is, like we saw Otani in the past, Jose Abreu in the past. He's the favorite for NL Rookie of the Year at some books, but at other books, you can find him as long as like 500, five to one. And I love him at that. I think it's his award to lose over some of the young, hot prospects like the O'Neill Cruises of the world. So I'm all in on Suzuki's Rookie of the Year award. The other thing I'll say about them is that with this rotation and with Wrigley Field, I'm going to be targeting a lot of overs, especially early in the season. Everyone knows the the joy of betting overs or unders at Wrigley, depending on what direction the wind is blowing in June and July. But this rotation is chock full of soft-throwing guys who work in the zone. Kyle Hendricks, Stroman, Alec Mills, Drew Smiley – you know those names, and yeah, sure, they're competent major leaguers, but none of them throw the ball hard, and they all work in the zone and don't allow a lot of walks, which means we're going to see the ball flying out of Wrigley on a regular basis. So I'm going to be all over the totals at, at Wrigley a lot this season, and then Suzuki for rookie of the year would be my other favorite bet. Cubs open at home against the Brewers for a four-game set, so you get Wrigley right away there, Colin, to begin the season. Then they hit the road for a bit. They're home against the Rays in April. Pirates are at home, so three different uh, three different home series for the Cubs in April, so look forward to that. And that's a way to remind you folks that during the season, we will be joining you here on Payoff Pitch every Tuesday and Friday during the season. We'll come to you April 12th, starting April 12th, Tuesday, April 12th, we'll have Slate breakdowns of the day and night in major league baseball here on payoff pitch tanner you're re on the chicago cubs i'm all aboard the saya suzuki hype train um as he mentioned his projections this year are through the roof fangrass has been projected for 878 ops um now i don't think you'll see a one-to-one ratio from his japanese league to mlb in terms of statistics but just to go over some of the staggering numbers um posted at a thousand plus OPS in four of his last five Japanese seasons, knocked 38 home runs last year, um, has essentially posted a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio throughout his Japanese league career. He stole 25 bags in 2019, too. He's 27, he's ready, and it's going to be a fun year for Cubs fans to watch this guy. Um, you can get him at 5-1 to one at both Caesars and WinBet for NL Rookie of the Year. So that is a bet I will definitely be making. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to be a very fun year for Cubs fans. Um Wade Miley is a Cub. Marcus Stroman is a Cub. Drew Smiley is a Cub. What else is there here? Um, Patrick Wisdom should hit a bunch of home runs, but he's projected to have an on-base percentage under 300. Uh, I thought it was interesting. They have two high-contact, low-power guys up the middle in Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. Um, the Cubs finished dead last in contact rate last year, so I'm kind of I'm curious to see how that pans out. I think we're looking at a 70-win ball Cub. Um, I can't say I project value on the win total. Um, it's sitting in like 74 and a half. I'd probably stay away from that. And I'm not going to play them at 11 and one to win the division. 
Um, the biggest question I see for the Cubs this season, actually, is do they deal Wilson Contreras? He's a free agent after the season. He's a reliable catcher. Um, but they just signed Jan Gomes to a two-year, $13 million deal. That represents the biggest uh, catcher-free agent deal this offseason. Some of these other you know, names you mentioned, too, like their starters. Strowman's on a two-year deal. Miley's on a one-year deal. So maybe they're in a position of uh, moving on so some of those pieces, and they just continue to reload as the year goes on, if indeed they are not in contention and the Brewers kind of run away with this thing. Um, so then that, that brings up the Reds and the Reds, as a matter of fact, they had a better year last year than the Cubs. They had 83 wins to the Cubs, 71, 83 and 79. And the Reds actually, Pocota's got them calling at a 79 and a half projected win total. And I'm seeing here, FanDuel's got 73 and a half, uh, DraftKings uh, for regular season wins. The Cincinnati Reds, let's see, Reds on other books. I mean, you're getting a pretty generous uh, ask here. Is the over in play for the Reds 74 and a half on DraftKings? I don't think so. I'm actually going under on their win total, and I like the under on their win total quite a bit. I was looking at baseball prospectuses' uh, projections there, and they actually have them at 22.7% to make the playoffs, which is right next to St. Louis, who are at 23.8% to make the playoffs. And I don't entirely understand why for example uh fangraph zips have the reds at 7.1 percent to make the playoffs so that's one of the biggest differences between two of the most popular public facing projection systems when i look at the reds i still like their lineup to a certain extent if Guivado can keep doing what he's doing into his late 30s tyler stevenson's actually someone i'm really high on i've been buying him in pretty much all of my fantasy leagues he doesn't have Tucker Barnhart to split time with behind the plate anymore. He also plays a little bit of first base so he can spell Vado on his off days or when Vado DHs now that that's in the National League. Um, Moustakis is still still a thumper. They kind of made a, a, a decent buy low under the radar signing in Tommy Pham, who I don't hate. Jonathan Indy, obviously the reigning uh, NL Rookie of the Year, has a lot of potential. And Nick Senzel is a, a, a post-hype buy guy, a former top prospect, hasn't really hit that much in the majors yet dealt with some injuries. So there's a lot to like about this lineup, but the pitching staff is just dreadful. Um, Tyler Molly, the opening day starter. I'm not a big fan of his, another uh, soft thrower. He, by, by ACE standards, he doesn't strike out a ton of guys. Um, Reaver, San Martin, Vladimir Gutierrez. These, these are young, young ish, more journeyman type starting pitchers. And there's going to be a lot of hype for Hunter Green. He's obviously one of the uh, NL rookie of the year favorites. His arm action worries me. I don't know if uh, I I don't see any value in his rookie of the year odds where it is. So it's just a lot of, a lot of mediocrity in Cincinnati. And this is not a team that's going to be adding payroll come July. If anything, they're going to be subtracting payroll. So I'm out on the reds. I'm, I'm going against all of my old friend baseball perspectives. I'm going to go under 73 and a half. And that's a bet. I like a lot. Tanner weigh in on the reds for us, please. So all off seasons have a lot of moves, right? I've had a bit of a tough time following the reds to be honest with you. So I'm just going to recap here. Castellanos free agent to Philly. Barnhart got traded to the Tigers. Lorenzen, free agent to the Dodgers. Cabrera retired. Winker and Suarez went to Seattle. Wade Miley waved to the Cubs. They signed Tommy Pham, re-signed Castillo. Mally and Naquin are both back, and they traded for Mike Miner. Did I miss anything else major there, Colin? <laughs> no, that, that okay. was about it. I didn't even mention Castillo because I think he's starting the year hurt or something, right? But yeah, he's Yeah, there. yeah. And so 
Yeah, I, I agree with Colin that I do kind of like the lineup. I think Votto's be big. Jonathan India is the real deal. He should post an on-base percentage over 370. And did you know he hit 15 of his 21 homers last year after the All-Star break? He could break out in a big way power-wise. I think Jose Barreo is an interesting uh, infield prospect. Uh, he had 19 homers and 16 stolen bases in 85 minor league games and walked a lot. I'll see if he can come up at any point. Um, the rotation, Ali Castillo, and then who? A lot of mediocrity. They're ripping it down. Um, if Castillo is healthy, I actually think he will have a big regression year. He was good down the stretch. He had a sub three FIP over his last nine starts, 62 strikeouts and 56 innings after just a disastrous pre all-star break. But in the end, I don't know what to make of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I will be watching them intently trying to figure out if there's some kind of value you can find on them mid season. But for right now, I'm just going to pass. All right, let's spend a quick minute on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Here's a team, Colin Whitchurch, that has a really gross win total. It's now down to 64 and a half wins. Is this a 100 loss baseball team? What do you think I'm going to say here, Brendan? Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> yes, it's a 100 loss baseball team. I, I, I was kind of uh, hesitant to bet on them last season because the NL Central is the worst division in baseball. I won't go long here because I, I know time's running short and it's the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, this is the worst team in baseball. I'm excited to watch Cabrian Hayes. I'm excited to watch O'Neill Cruz when they come up. I think JD Brubaker is actually a super underrated pitcher, and I'm going to be looking to bet him the Pirates specifically when they're underdogs in his starts. But there's not a lot else to like here. Um, pretty clear worst team in in the division. Unless the Reds continue to tank into the midseason, I'm going under on the Pirates win total. I don't love it as much as I love some of the other basement teams we've talked about during the series, like the Orioles or the Athletics, but it, it's an under for me. All right, Tanner, give us a minute here on the Pirates, your thoughts for this season. Best way to bet them, maybe staying away. You can find a juiced over 62 and a half wins at Bet Rivers. I'm on that. The projected market is high on the Pirates. Zerillo's at 66 and 66.2 wins. Davenport's up at 71 even. Um, I think there is some upside with Pittsburgh. I know they're a bad team, but like, are we buying the Mitch Keller supposed velocity increase? I saw it all over Twitter. He's consistently hitting 99 in the preseason. His BABIP was 388 last year. Like, does that mean he's going to finally do well? People think JT Brubaker could potentially have a breakout here. I don't know. Um, but projections have us dropping his ERA and FIP by a point, probably because his ex-FIP last year was only four. Um, Brian Reynolds is an absolute star. I still have faith in Cabrian Hayes. I still have faith in Michael Chavis. Once again, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm biased. Yikes. Um, O'Neill <laughs> Cruz posted monster numbers in the minors, and once he comes up, he should do something. And uh, David Bednar had a great year last year, and I think he'll be good in the closer role. You know, outside of that, the roster is filled with older cast off pitchers and maybe a million swing and miss guys. But the Pirates went over last year, and I'm going to buy into the upside and see if they can make a few strides and get over that 62 number again. All right, before we wrap it up, best bet from the NL Central. Colin first and Tanner. Brewers to win the division, minus 170 or so is, is too good a value. They're going to have it clinched by September 1st. Uh, Saya Suzuki, National League Rookie of the Year at 5-1 to one at Caesars and WinBet. He's 27. He's ready. Projections are super high on him. One site has him at 3.9 war this year, which would put him in the MVP conversation, not just the rookie of the year. And he's going to get more at-bats than any major National League rookie of the year contender, specifically O'Neill Cruz, who will probably not be on the Pirates opening day roster. He's Tanner McGrath. You can find his work over the Action Network, one of our staff writers. He'll be following baseball all summer long. 
Folks, want to remind you again, you can join us. We have all six previews now up on Payoff Pitch, each division broken down, best bet from each division, a team outlook, how to properly bet each team, and we go division by division. All six episodes available on the Action Network's newest MLB podcast, Payoff Pitch, and we will join you during the season every Tuesday and Friday starting April 12th, so not the day after opening day, but the following week. So after that opening weekend, Tuesday the 12th, we will start by breaking down each day and night slate in Major League Baseball on those two days during the week. So be sure to join us then. For Action Network Senior Editor Colin Whitchurch, he does a great job as always as well. Follow his hard work on the Action Network. I'm Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning in to Payoff Pitch. We're looking forward to talking to all of you. Enjoy opening day, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon as the season nears. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.